0: Hey everybody, and welcome to A Friend in Me, the podcast about friendship, culture, and the kingdom of God, all through the lens of Pixar. Today's an exciting episode. This is my favorite movie, so buckle up. It's a long one, but I thought, hey, for Toy Story 3, we can go a little long as we explore the joys and complexities of this film. So, I hope you enjoy this conversation between Michael Mitz and I on Toy Story 3 I'm just going to jump right into it with the summary of Toy Story 3. So here we go. With their beloved Andy preparing to leave for college, Woody, Buzz, and the rest of the toys find themselves headed for the attic, but mistakenly wind up on the curb with the trash. Woody's quick thinking saves the gang, but all but Woody end up being donated to a daycare center. Unfortunately, the uncontrollable kids do not play nice. So Woody and the gang make plans for a great escape. So there you go. There's the summary of Toy Story 3. Now, a couple quick housekeeping items here. You can access a video version of this conversation on the Patreon. It's unedited. It includes some behind-the-scenes uh, conversation before the actual episode started. So if you're interested in a longer but more un polished version, feel free to watch that video on Patreon. Also, I just want to let you guys know there are a couple of audio malfunctions in this episode where there's some shuffling noises. We did record on Skype, so the audio quality isn't necessarily as high as some of my other episodes, but I hope you will be able to still enjoy the conversation. So without further ado, here we go, Toy Story 3. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to a friend in me. Thanks for tuning in. I'm here with my man, Michael Mitts. How you doing, Michael?
1: I am. I'm beside myself. I couldn't be better. I couldn't be better. Dude,
0: we're fired up, aren't we? Oh, my
1: gosh. Yes.
0: Yes. Okay, so we just watched Toy Story 3, which, in my opinion, I know this is a hot take. It is not just the best Pixar movie. It is the best movie ever made. Okay, Ooh. that is, <laughs> I am laying down the gauntlet here. It is my favorite movie, and I was going into it wondering, huh, like, I've seen this so many times, I've I've always called it my favorite. Will it hold up? Will it really, will it remain my favorite after this viewing? Absolutely, guys. Okay, so we'll get into why, but I was weeping. Michael, you said you were crying too, right? I
1: was, I I shed quite a few tears over this. Yes. Tears of joy and tears of sorrow, but all beautiful yeah. tears.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I actually had, I watched it in my apartment at the college and I had kids knock on my door, college students, while I was weeping in one of the final scenes, like uh, Andy's playing with Woody again. And I got a mm-hmm. knock, knock, knock. And I did not answer that door. <laughs> I think they would have been very concerned for their RD if I had answered. But anyway, I'm so excited to talk about this movie with you, Michael. But before we get to the film we got to talk about our friendship bro
1: yes oh yes let's please let's do this
0: Michael I want to hear from your perspective how did this friendship begin and then I can fill in uh, some of the details but
1: yeah well correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think we met did we we hadn't met until I got to Gordon right we didn't meet before my freshman year right
0: no so, but Megan so, told me about you, and she prayed that you would get put on my floor, and you did. Yes,
1: and yes. so I would known about you because Megan had told me. Meg, for all you listening, Megan's my sister. She also went to Gordon, and um, and she, she's my older sister. And so she yeah. had told me about Porter. She was like, "Porter's awesome. Like, if you could have Porter as your RA, you it would be amazing." I, I might. I can't remember if I like if you could and if I did select like, "Oh, I want to be in this dorm." But as God would have it, I ended up on Porter's floor, which was an amazing – like, y'all, it was a great floor. We had an amazing
0: – Wilson Hall. Oh. Lifelong friendships from that floor. So
1: 100%. Like, yeah. Like I'm current, literally currently recording this at Dylan's apartment, which Jonathan was on that floor. Jonathan's another guy that's in Austin, which is where I live, who – Yeah. I mean, there's so many lifelong friendships that came from that floor including my friendship with Porter, which my sister did a really good job of hyping you up, but she definitely undersold. But <laughs> like she definitely undersold. Thanks,
0: Michael. Thanks about that.
1: And that's, oh. and that's and that's so true. And it's because, she, and I think it's just because she didn't get to know you as deeply as I got to know you. And that's been a gift <sighs> in my life. So that's been awesome. And, uh, yeah. and, and y'all, for you listening, I, I RA'd the next year. After my freshman year, my sophomore year, I RA'd and it was everything I knew about how to RA, all the good parts of how I RA'd came directly from two places. One was La Vida, which I largely did because of Porter. And then the other one is just directly Porter. Like uh, how, so much of what I did on <laughs> my floor was.
0: Well, and I was on your floor. You were my RA. We flipped. We flipped amazing. that script, bro. Which are- I was like, I want Michael to be my RA. He was such a good resident. Let's flip that.
1: Which, if y'all need to, like, if you ever wonder what withness, like, what deep withness looks like, it's when your RA goes, I'm a senior and mm-hmm. I want to live in arguably the crappiest dorm that <laughs> exists just uh, to yeah, be it's with true. these people. I mean, that's witness yeah. withness there. And I'm going to come back to that later in the podcast because we're going to be talking about some things that'll, that'll be pertinent for. But yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's just uh, a bit of 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 Porter that everyone should know about. I could scream that from rooftops you know
0: well I appreciate that Michael and I will say yeah you and Ryan Fisher were all, both RAs and Lewis and you're two of my best friends so I thought well why not why not move back to the crappy dorm
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, and and now it's just yeah. I think they're gonna tear it down. I think they're just gonna.
0: Well, it's it costs more money to tear it down than it's just gonna sit. It's just gonna sit for a while. because <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna cost a while to tear it down. But anyway, we won't go into that uh, Gordon financial situation. But uh, but yeah, the thing I appreciate deeply about my friendship with Michael, we laugh a lot. We've had a lot of fun times, uh, lots of shenanigans. But what I really appreciate is that the times when he has been really struggling and whether it's, he's wrestling with doubt or anger, I've been able to challenge him and speak into his life. And he's been very responsive and he's just allowed me to be a voice that can speak into his life. But then like, like a legend, he often has returned the favor and there've been times when I've been struggling and I've been upset at God, or I've been really apathetic and he has spoken into my life and helped remind me, of um, Yeah, of who God is and who I am. And, and it's funny because this is Toy Story 3, but in Toy Story 2, that's the Woody Buzz dynamic mm-hmm. is Buzz coming back to tell Woody, hey, don't you forget who you are mm-hmm. and who Andy is. So I appreciate how you've been a faithful friend. And I'm glad I hope that we can continue to do that throughout our life. If we see each other start to to stumble, that we'll oh. be calling each other out.
1: Me too. I mean, that's been such a huge gift. And and y'all and we're we're not just talking about like minor things here. We're talking about like like there's a conversation I had with Porter my sophomore year of college where I was like considering dropping out. I was angry at the world, I was angry at God, I was angry. I mean, just there's a lot of things, a lot of hurt I was feeling. And Porter and this and this is incredible. Porter was able to see through that, all of that and challenge me in the bitterness that was festering in my heart. So there's all this anger, there's all this emotion and Porter's able to see past it and go, hey, but what about the bitterness that's rotting your soul? Like, what about that? That's not good for you. And it was, and it was this beautiful moment of like, not, it wasn't wasn't like, that's bad, God doesn't like that. It was like, I really love you and I'm worried about this corroding your heart, right? And so he, I mean, he's very kind to be like, and you know, Michael was very responsive, but I mean that, I mean, try not to respond to that, right? That's (laughs) That's <laughs> love and care right there, you know. Amazing. Let's do this lifelong friend thing, and you have free pass to speak into my life whenever you'd like.
0: Ah, thank you. You've got a friend in me, Michael. Yes, sir. Oh, let's go. All let's right. Go. So here, and we'll, we could just talk about each other forever, but I have one more thing. I when I was your RA that first year, and my the floor theme was epic fail, and the idea that I had behind that was I wanted to create a culture where people felt comfortable talking about failure and where there would be men on Gordon's campus who would be able to be vulnerable with each other. And then I see this floor go forward and I see how Michael's living his life. I see how my friend Ryan Hulbert is living his life, how Grant. There is a lot of men on that floor who are overcoming the socialized pressure on men to not be vulnerable and not to share and who are opening up. And I can see them living their lives in a healthier way. And it is, I am so grateful to God for how that prayer I had for that Mm -hmm. floor has been answered. And like when you came, so Michael came to visit in Massachusetts, you live in Texas now, Yes. but you came to visit recently and you had a bunch of guys um, come over. We were at a bar uh, just hanging out, talking about life and you brought together a group of guys who are very vulnerable about wh- what life was bringing, like the burdens we're carrying right now. And I I couldn't stop thinking. I was like, God, this is an answered prayer. This is a prayer I prayed my junior year of college. And here's a guy who is an agent of male vulnerability and compassion and love. And anyway, I mean, it wasn't like that being on that floor wasn't what made you guys that way. You guys were already just such solid men but i'm so grateful that yeah god allowed mm. that prayer to be answered and for you guys to be yeah the friendships i see still lasting from that touch me to this day which mm. will uh, this also connects to the movie so yeah yeah
1: oh but, uh, I'm, hey and that that was a blessing you spoke over us you know that's a beautiful thing and we resonated we were, I, hey i resonated so much my floor theme was get wrecked till you get it correct <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah. Manager, look, i love continue. it you know that's a that's a good sometimes that's what happens man you get wrecked <laughs> you do. You do. yeah but like I, lotso like lotso he got wrecked yeah. and he oh. didn't handle it we'll, <laughs> no, we'll no. get to that we'll get to that <laughs> but i'm just saying Lotso hugging bear he got wrecked but his response was not helping how- it wasn't good he didn't he let that bitterness fester in his soul
1: like like we talked about he didn't have a woody dude
0: bro oh man he had chuckles but anyway he
1: had a a baby that couldn't talk dude that's a problem (laughs) Big
0: big baby started crying bro i hate how like throughout the movie he insults baby by just being like stop being a baby and it's like that's literally what he is like it's such a cruel insult yes like. yes oh man
1: very lotzo you know but you see that in Lotso, he denies who he is right that's where his that's where the bitterness oh festers right
0: stop being a toy is like his yeah. big thing oh anyway let's We're already moving ahead. I love this. Let's let's jump in, Michael, to your first your impressions of this movie. Not first impressions, but your impressions this time watching it. What stood out to you? Pixar,
1: you did it again. It's just an amazingly crafted story, and particularly the the thing that really got it going for me was the the beginning sequence. They jump you in to Andy's imagination. You're watching these toys play out this absurd scenario where there's just like each situation gets one upped by another situation. And, and it's, it's, it's humorous, but it's so childlike. I mean, it, it brought me back to my own childhood where I used to take all my toys out and all around the room, build a whole city. And then goof around coming up with crazy situations that are happening it was literally that and so i was just so impressed with how pixar is able to suck you back into your childhood right i think that's why it resonates with kids but i think that's also why it resonates with adults and so they just start off getting you right into those feelings like what does it feel like to be a child right and then they zoom out and you realize andy's in college and so immediately you're hit with the tensions that are at play throughout the whole film And so I just thought that the storytelling there was amazing and the way they were able to play with those emotions, bring you into them in a way that's really relatable and then and then suck you out of them into the tension in a way that's really relatable. That that stood out to me uh, immediately. And then that plays out through the rest of the film. I mean, so much of the story is set up really in the beginning and the middle piece is all the action. But like so much of the relationality you see in the, or like what sets up the relationality of the film is that beginning piece. That's just,
0: that knocked my socks
1: off. It was amazing.
0: Yeah. I love that. Like, so they have the train with the orphans, which are the trolls, (laughs) right? And it's going towards a bridge. And then you have one-eyed Bart and his his one, his one-eyed wife, the, the, they're like the, it's Mr. And Mrs. Potato Head driving a Barbie car. Right? Yes. So it's like all like yes. you said, it's all these different things. Then they have what, what is Rex? He's like a dog with a force field or Re- something. Uh,
1: no Rex, so there's there's a moment oh, where like Oh yeah, that's
0: uh yeah, yeah. Slinky. Yeah, or yeah.
1: Like, yeah, we're like we have this dog with a force field, and then Andy or then Woody is just like, Well, we have a, a dog force field eating dinosaur and it's just like one up <laughs> that one upmanship yeah. of Which is a such a kid
0: thing to do, totally. yeah. Totally and i i love when it so then the barrel of monkey explodes like a nuclear bomb which is epic i love that and then they're fighting for their life and then that's when we get the zoom out and it's just andy in his room and he set up this tinker toy train track and all this stuff and his mom comes in with the camera the video camera but then you see molly come in and knock over the tinker toys and i love mm. this part because like The mom is like, oh, Molly, don't mess with his stuff. And then he says, it's okay, mom. It's a giant baby from outer space coming to attack. Like, what do we do? So his improv skills at a young age, Mm -hmm. he's already able to adapt and have the story continue on with another kid, which we'll see at the end. like his imagination is still there, even though he's old. His imagination and playfulness is still there. Which I just
1: realized this whole story is a chiasm in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways and it is it is it is that that chiasm is really powerful because there's you're dealing with change there's a lot of change that happens in the film but despite the change you see that uh, people's identities like who they are Mm -hmm. remains even even as they're reckoning with the change and that's what a lot of the film really ends up being about it's beautiful
0: yeah and he at the end he's the one who grabs he's the one who initiates playing with Bonnie. Bonnie doesn't start like, oh, look, that's happening. He goes, oh, someone attacked the ghost bakery because he had yep. heard her playing. He had heard yep. her playing when he was walking up and he takes what she had and he adds to it, which is just so beautiful. Such a, you're right. The structure of this movie is airtight. I will say the one movie that similarly does that, like jumping into a kid's head is the Lego movie mm. Um, and how yes. they play. But you don't realize... That it's a kid playing with Legos till two thirds of the way through the movie in that one.
1: Yes. Um, yeah.
0: But it's also great because it's all these crossovers and all these ridiculous things, and it's like, oh, it's a kid playing. Yes. Um, and that movie's all about what it means to be a kid playing with your toys as well. So love that. And were you at the end? What what scenes were you crying the most? Is I mean, is it the end when he plays, or
1: I I the 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 ending scene for sure. But yeah. it was it, for me. It really was that beginning and end, where you see the tension, you see the, you see you see you watch the movie get set up. And and for you listening that that don't know me, my my I'm a I'm a missionary kid. I've moved a lot, and so this this tension of of who you are when you're uprooted from what you know is so heavy on my heart. And so when I watched the beginning, when you when I re, when I was realizing, like, oh, these. These toys, Andy, Andy's mom, everyone is going gonna, gonna to be dealing with the tension of we're leaving. Like we have to go somewhere else and mm-hmm. that's going to take us away from this thing that we've grown to really love. That made me cry because I've been there so many times. And yeah. And uh, and then, you know, the whole film watching the lengths through which the toys go to stay together made me cry because that's that's how I feel. That's what I desire. And it's a beautiful mm-hmm. image of what it can be to be in community. And then the end made me cry because it's like, oh, they, they are all who they are. The, the, their identity doesn't change. Like the affirmations mm-hmm. about how good things have been remain, mm-hmm. even though things are changing, going to be new and they can re- like the Andy could release the toys and the toys could release mm-hmm. Andy and love each other, like know that it mattered and love each other through that. That Made me cry, and and I resonate yeah. with all those things because of my life, and so it was just a yeah. very it was a very emotional movie for me. I mean, I I think I texted because you've had to say it, like,
0: goodbye, you've had to yes. say goodbye to friends and realize, oh wow, like I want to hold on, like when he pulls Woody back, he's like, I don't want to let go of this toy that yes. I, I love, but I'm moving and I have to let go, and so you've experienced that that goodbye, that so long partner that Woody says mm. at the end,
1: too, so so many times. I nearly said too many times, but I think. It's more apt to say so many times because the reality Mm. is I think that God uses that in a big way. I think God Mm. uses that in a big way, particularly because I think it forces us to see God for for how much bigger he is than we tend to see God. And Mm. it also forces us to realize that our that we've grown to to we've grown into identities that are too small for who we really are. We, Mm. We might maybe we're like little caterpillars and we're about to come become some beautiful butterflies, you know? Yeah. So
0: yeah. And Woody you we don't see Andy's reaction, but I like to think that Andy's driving away and he's got some tears. He's got mm. some tears. Like oh.
1: I I would. Yeah. You kidding me? Yeah. I say goodbye to Woody. Oh my God.
0: I remember Death. when my dad said good when my parents were saying goodbye to me at college. And my mom's typically more emotional. My dad, I mean, I've seen, he cries at movies and stuff, but he doesn't cry as much. But my dad started just bursting out mm. crying when he was hugging me outside of Farron here at yes. Gordon. And I it was, yeah, just a very powerful emotion for me. So I dare anyone who's de- who has just said goodbye to someone to not mm. cry at this movie <laughs> because it is just a tearjerker because saying goodbye to someone you love is really hard. But sometimes it's a part of the process of life and growing up and and moving. So anyway, masterful stuff. But I'm going to share with you my impressions. Okay. yeah. Hit me up. I want to hear these. All right. So I think this movie I already said I think it's the best movie ever. So I have to defend that a little bit. But I think the script is phenomenal. Like, first of all. It's hilarious. I think this movie has some of the best gags of yeah. any Pixar movie. So like we have, I remember watching it and we have, I love the Mr. Tortilla head. I and was he, just about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Like when they're like, get the tortilla and they slip it under the, and you're like, what is this tortilla? What? And then he's just walking around like this flabby, like. On the ledge. He's on the
1: ledge. <laughs> on the ledge balancing the tortilla
0: yeah and then the pigeon is like nipping at him and 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 he like tears apart and then when he rejoins them in the playground and they're like oh who's coming there's someone coming and it's like scary and he's he's put his appendages into a cucumber and he has the best line he's like you will not believe what I have been through tonight. It's just so good. You're like this man, uh, this potato cucumber tortilla guy has been through a lot. So that that is just so creative for them to think, yeah. how can we make a heist or not heist, a prison break movie? How yeah. can we make it like fit toys? And the yeah. it is this is an amazing prison break movie. And they're dealing it's so funny because they use the elements of toyhood to create this escape. And that's like the best example. But then of course, we have Spanish Buzz Lightyear. Who I almost mm. I was so excited for Mr. Tortilla Head. I was like thinking, Oh, when is Mr. Tortillahead? That I kind of I didn't forget, but I kind of forgot Spanish Buzz. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't anticipating it, waiting for it. And then when it came up, I was like, Yes, yes. <laughs> It's so good. And and the scene where he's running holding Jesse. Like, uh and he, like Sanish Buzz is given an arc, even though he's only in like 10 to 15 minutes of the movie. They get in a complete arc where he like falls in love with Jesse, tries to woo her. Then he sees the cowboy El Vaquero. Like, I have to compete with this cowboy. And then he gets his like dramatic moment rescuing Jesse. But then the TV falls on him, and we get back to regular Buzz. <laughs> but we just got Spanish Buzz Lightyear for 15 minutes of glory, and it was oh. incredible. Um,
1: I love so. I love uh, Spanish Buzz. You get hit with the his like Spanish suave immediately at the beginning, where you see Buzz would usually just like flip open the like thing on his wrist for like the doing the space yeah. log. And Spanish, uh, uh, Spanish Buzz does this like <laughs> hand gesture, this like flick of his wrist, and then he opens the log, and I just, yeah, they just nailed yeah. it with animation.
0: And his hips, the they use the toy's <laughs> hips, like Buzz Lightyear. And what I love is that they kind of at the beginning of this movie they show how awkward they show Buzz being awkward around Jesse, like he's like awkward <laughs> and shy, like he doesn't know how to talk to, to talk to the ladies, and it's yeah. kind of showing like the American Buzz, he doesn't have any game. But the Spanish Buzz, he's got mad game. All of the, he doesn't even speak yeah.
1: English and and
0: can't even communicate
1: <laughs> with Jesse. And he's got all the game.
0: <laughs> that's so true, bro. I love it. I mean, and Jesse's this is her dream. She's just been wanting to be swept off her feet by Buzz. But man, so good. I, by yeah, the so way, the,
1: I, the end at the end where she's like, I especially now that I know about Buzz's Spanish mode, like that's just <laughs> such a good end. Yeah, that and
0: one. then in the credits they have her dance. They dance to a Spanish version of. You've got a friend in me, which mm. is a banger of uh, the Spanish version. Yeah, it's so good. But but yeah, you know that, you know, Michael. Wait, didn't you want to work at Pixar when you were oh, younger? I,
1: yeah, that was like a, my dream.
0: Yeah, that. Ooh. So that was my dream. I wanted to be a screenwriter for Pixar. Yep. But then I found out that to write for Pixar, you have to draw storyboards. And then yep. I was like, oh, shoot, I can't draw. <laughs> yep. So that was like what did it for me. But this is the movie that I would have wanted to write. I mean, this is, if I was a screenwriter, it is so well written. It's not even funny. Everything plays together. It is. That's why, and I'm, that's why it's my favorite movie because I'm a sucker for good scripts and this Mm. has an amazing script and parasite, which is my second favorite movie. Very Mm. different. Yep. Very different, but it also (laughs) has a, has a perfect script. And so that I, anyway, this, no, this movie to- is hilarious. Um,
1: it, 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 yeah. you're, you're so right, though. I mean, this movie, from a like, technical storytelling perspective, it's it's amazing because you watch it and no, no one's thinking about that. M- most people aren't thinking about, like, the sort of technical yeah. storytelling script writing perspective. But, oh, I guess also for everyone listening, Porter, English major, I was a creative writing minor. Like, we love that aspect of stories. Yeah. And so when you get into the details of how it's written – The way every, you know, there's a, in in creative writing, there's a a saying, like, if you, if you, you know, have a scene with a gun on the wall, like, you know, that later you better use that gun in something like you, you need everything to kind of feed into the story. And Toy Story 3 does that in an incredible way. Like everything feeds into this beautiful, beautifully complicated, complex. It's not, it's not simple. There's so many layers to every bit of the story, but it's, it's masterful and it is a pure joy to watch.
0: You can almost tell the things that they in a story meeting were like, oh, let's include this at the beginning. So then at the end, they have that because the claw, I realized I noticed this the first time when the kids, they first get to the daycare and there's this little dump truck toy that drives past and it has a claw. And the aliens go the claw, which is just to remind you, oh, yeah, that's a thing that the aliens are obsessed with. And we at the beginning of the movie just think, oh, that's hilarious. That's funny come and then it comes around as the main the savior of the plot is the aliens (laughs) in the claw so like just that's just an example of their they're giving you these little hints that you have no Mm. idea are hints oh and bonnie how they introduce bonnie Mm. and you don't know that she's going to be important yep and but you see her imagination with the toys is very similar to Andy. like she she has a great imagination and then that plays out in the end so anyway yes amazing script we got to we got to move on to the next part, but I'm just going to say one more thing. Yeah, this movie is a love letter to childhood. I mean, you basically mm, said that totally. But it is a love letter to childhood, but it's recognizing that childhood has an endpoint. Mm-hmm. And I wept watching this because yes. part of me misses that, misses being a kid. Yeah, and and I saying goodbye to that. Mm. I mean, you know, I'm now i work with college students but i still have a part of me that is you know moving on from childhood and this movie is like it just hits that part of you that has nostalgia for what the the joy of that childlike imagination but it also shows you that the kid moving off to college he can still have that like he can still play as well and so it just motivates us to still be playful even in our new places our new roles we can still be kids who have imagination who don't think that fun, the fun we had as a kid is worthless. Like the fun you had as a kid matters, and you can love that and be grateful for that and still live into that. So
1: And anyway. and why it matters is because you're a lot of are gonna have kids someday. You need to be able to enter into that world again. Like that's again, mm-hmm. your identity doesn't change. We're all going to be kids. The, the Madeline Langle quote of how we are every, every age we've ever been. It's true. We keep that with us. We need to. We just grow more. There's more that gets added. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful thing in the story.
0: You know who is Bonnie in my life, a body that I know? Hmm. Evie Hausman. Oh, yes. She's got this imagination, Michael. I don't know if you've seen her recently, but this girl, she has such a good imagination. She's so mm-hmm. eager. I – I'm going to tell this story. So this is, uh, we worked at LaVita, Michael and I, and our boss, Nate has the most energetic, (laughs) just off the wall, exciting toddler. I want to say three, maybe she's already turned four, but anyway, there's this time I was playing with her last summer and we had a water bottle and we had a dish towel and we would roll the water bottle down the slide. And she'd be like, Oh no, Mr. Water bottle. And she'd like run over and like help. And then And then it turned into, like, oh, no, the water bottle is, like, chasing the towel. And so then, like, we were running around. She's the water bottle. I'm the towel. And I'm, like, running around, like, oh, no, you're not going to get me. Oh, no. And then she, like, hits the towel, and it falls on the ground. And then she, like, is laughing. Ha, ha, ha. Like, I got it. I knocked it down. But then she, like, turns her head, looks at the towel, picks it up, and, like, hugs it to her chest and goes, (laughs) I kid you not, Michael. She goes, i love you towel (laughs) and i was like i was like this is amazing like and that's like getting to like toy story Four, like the spork forky levels of like when kids can turn anything into a toy and they can but like i told that to her parents i was like evie almost just made me cry hugging a towel so there's that (laughs) because she was so tender like she had this like like look of concern. And that's like what kids do also when they play is they have, they take care of their toys. It's, Mm. it is like they are learning to take care of something. Anyway, we, we've already talked for a while and we haven't even gotten (laughs) the cultural or theological part, but this is fire. And, and I just, anyway, Evie is that has that imagination. And you know why It's because her parents are really intentional about fostering her imagination. Like, yeah. they're really good. And, of course, like, with Outdoor Ed, like, they limit her screen time. She's outside a lot. And she, her imagination, I mean, her imagination's already bubbling. Yeah, well, and, she's going to be an actor, but,
1: yeah. And she's, like, been in, I mean, I can't think of a, a child that's probably more Socialized at such a young age, right? Because she's at base camp. Whenever she's at base camp, it's like,
0: yeah,
1: it's just people and they all engage with her. I mean, she's probably just soaking up so much about what it means to be. She's like
0: 20 college students playing with her all summer for two summers. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, I mean, she's just soaking up
1: what it means to be an embodied, interactive human. That's a beautiful thing. I mean, that's what a gift.
0: What a gift. And she ministered to the college students because they get to enter that world of playfulness again. And that's. Really helpful during a stressful season of Levita because it's a lot, and to have that time to be able to play with kids, I mean, we need that. So I actually think I talked about that on the Monsters Inc. episode as well, so oh. <laughs> which is all about child like the the joy of uh, childhood. But all right, let's get to the second part, Michael. <laughs> We're gonna be here all night. This let's is, do it. Let's talk about the cultural implications of this movie. So, what message could this movie say to our contemporary culture
1: i i think the thing that stood out to me a lot about what this film has has to say and speak into our contemporary culture especially i think especially in the western world especially in america is about the the value and importance of prioritizing and valuing the the we over the me I, I, the whole the whole movie ends up being about that in some capacity. And you, mm-hmm. see, you see the toys struggle to figure out how to handle the, cha- the changes that are happening in the film. And, and they struggle with that. And it actually breaks them apart for a while. Woody goes somewhere else. Yeah. The, the rest of the toys are, are you know, at this daycare. And throughout the, the story, the toys realize we can't do that. Like, we need to be with each other. We need to stay together. And that's not yeah. that's not something that is an easy choice. It actually requires a lot out of all of them. It requires a ton out of them all. I mean, it require for for Woody, it requires that he actually ends up giving up his the the main the the the, the core of his identity or, or how he's how he's perceived the core of his identity. Um, but even just at, heist wise, like it requires you know it requires Mr. Potato Head to be Mr. Tortilla and then Mr. Cucumber. Yeah. You know, it requires. Yeah it requires them all to kind of put themselves at risk and and do something for the sake of other and i mean the the culmination of that is the is the scene where they nearly die which i'm sure we'll talk about more but you you watch the toys face death and when they realize we're probably going to die right now you watch them grab each other's hands. hands you re- you they watch them hands, go yeah. we're not alone though right and that that struck me because it said that it says that death together right like loss but being with one another is definitively better than loneliness right Mm. and um i think that's something that's really important and and uh that message that the togetherness is important that we need that and that it's not easy is important for our culture because we we kind of live in these weird times where like things feel really fragmented we you watch people decide to part ways or, or, you know, we watch divisiveness split people all the time. It almost feels like everyone's just sort of like on their next, you know, friendship breakup or whatever, where people are just like, whatever it is, whatever issue lets people apart. And I think we're losing this, the idea and the notion that really that togetherness matters. We need to be together. We need loyalty.
0: Loyalty matters.
1: Loyalty matters. Like you
0: can't just, you can't just choose. Oh, when the togetherness is convenient for me, I'll choose togetherness. But once it's not, I'm gonna abandon the togetherness.
1: Which is, yeah. which is. I mean, that's some of the really beautiful mo- moments of the film where you see people really give of themselves. Is the moments that they. I mean, you see this especially with Buzz, right? Where Buzz goes, they they give him an in to the, uh, you know, the other room. They're like, Yeah, Buzz, you're a go getter. We like you. And he's like, Okay, let me go tell my friends. Like he's not. He doesn't even. It's not even a conception of him that he could just go alone. And they're like, oh, no, bud, like, you have to be – you can't do that. And then he goes, all right, well, then I'm going to save my friends, right? And then he Like, gets, I'm
0: going to go back to the room where the toddlers lick my face and attack <laughs> and beat me on the stick because – and he, he doesn't even hesitate. Like, mm-hmm. I need to be with them. I'm not going to choose to leave them behind.
1: Totally. Yeah. Like I mean, I, I thought that was such a potent and a part of the film, and I think it, it we have – as a, as a culture and society of uh, in the West, we have a lot to learn from these toys, these toys, because they, they, they model that, they display that so well and so powerfully.
0: Well, it's and a- we see how Lotso, he's not loyal. He sees loyalty as a bad thing, because when Buzz says, oh, no, I'm going to go back to my room, I'm going to stay with them, that's when Lotso says, like... You see his ch- change in his eyes, and that's the first time we see. Oh, Lazzo's evil, because we've been like, oh, he seems just this like gregarious old bear. But then when he says, and he goes, oh, so you're a family man, and then he has him flip him on his back, and they change him back to demo mode mm-hmm. because they know, oh, he's loyal to his friends, and that's gonna be a problem. So we have to take him to a version of himself that doesn't know these people, because mm-hmm. if he still knows these people, he'll never turn on them, and we. And here in our community, we turn on each other is basically how he runs the place. And at the end, like he during his angry rant at the end, you see he has no loyalty to anyone. He has no loyalty to the baby. He has no loyalty. He just kind of reveals he and he literally has said even when he was still good uh, or not so good, but still perceived as good when we didn't know he was evil He's walking them through the bathroom and he says, here at Sunnyside, like we're masters of our own fate. We're rulers of our own destiny. And he's presenting it as this is amazing here. You don't have to be loyal to anyone. You're you have no ties, like no strings attached. Think of the freedom that the, that there is with that. But the movie is showing you. No, actually, the freedom is found in saying saying, no, I will go and I will mm. suffer to remain yeah. with my friend or to be with my friend. Which that, is
1: which? Yeah, that's striking to watch how they're when the the toys opt into suffering in order to stay together, right? Lotso enforces suffering, right? Mm-hmm. He enforces suffering, and and only if you're willing to also enforce suffering, do you can you sort of belong, but it's not real belonging because it's conditional, right? It's really conditional, mm-hmm. and that struck me too, because when you when you drift into ultimate individualism and you drift into Uh, or drift out of community right if you when you drift out of the i am because you are when you drift out of that what you're left with is power hierarchies you're just left with might makes right because Mm -hmm. what else is there when there's no loyalty there's nothing else and that's an i mean that's what nietzsche
0: that's what nietzsche is saying that's most that's a lot of nietzsche's philosophy
1: which is (laughs) i mean it's frightening yeah Yeah. it's fright. when you get into it it's frightening it's also it's lonely it's frightening it's sad it's
0: yeah it made me sad
1: i saw i look at lots of it and the will like,
0: to power leaves you so empty yeah and it's it's just that like
1: hey porter you ever see me drifting down that road please like we already talked about you but yeah you got okay
0: i will me, dude
1: whatever you need to do
0: Well, and here's the thing. There is one character who is rescued from that, and it's Ken. We see Ken, who was kind of conditioned to be in this. He was one of the guys enforcing this authoritarian system. But he realizes, wait a second, we could actually do this in an equitable way and at the end he's like we can make it cool and groovy again here (laughs) at Sunnyside which is like like that that part of him a lot of it doesn't remind me of you but when he said that I was like that's like Michael like (laughs) guys like let's just be like groovy in our community (laughs) come on like let's be like you describing like fairness and equity and compassion like that's how you would say it like you'd be like let's just like let's be groovy let's bool together
1: a hundred percent i I, yeah. I like i loved when he said that how he said that i also particularly love that he said it in pants with hearts on them i, I was like <laughs> this is amazing this
0: is amazing. yes maybe for him it's a relationship with one person in the other group with barbie mm-hmm. she's a part of this other that he has been turned against but he realizes oh wait like This doesn't have to be and maybe she actually is the agent that helps him realize that because we have that great line where Barbie says government should be based upon the consent of the governed, not the fear of force or something. (laughs) She's like pulling out like Thomas Hobbes or or John (laughs) Locke or whatever. And that's so good. That's such a good line. But
1: it's so so great, especially coming from Barbie. Right. I just. Yeah.
0: And then they all look at her like, oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. This it's great. They've they've grown in their cultural awareness. The way they depict Barbie in Toy Story 3 compared to Toy Story 2, where it was like, oh, it's a hot toy, like a hot girl toy, and now in this one, it's like, oh, they give her more depth, but still allowed her and Ken to like. I love that, like the clothes and yeah, that's another great gag. I mean, look, they have so many good gags.
1: They're all sprinkled throughout the movie, and it makes it such a fun thing to watch.
0: But I'm going to go theological real quick, because yeah. of what you just said about community, it just makes me think about what the church should be mm-hmm. and how that's we should have that mentality of, no, I'm not going to go pursue comfort over people. I'm mm-hmm. not going to pursue myself over over compassion or myself over justice or myself over like buzz just in It is just common sense to him that he will choose his friends over his own comfort, and that's how it should be within the church. And yet the temptation towards just pursuing our own ends ends up creeping in so powerfully into the very body of Christ, which is meant to be the agent of God's compassion in the world, but yet then we end up retreating into our own butterfly room (laughs) instead of entering the caterpillar room where there's suffering and being like with the world, which is what we're called to do. So anyway, I think what you said about the I am because you are that understanding of not just yeah, like when Woody rescues Lotso, it's not just our group, but it's also anyone who shares humanity with us uh, should be someone we are willing to go inconvenience ourselves for their good, which I mean, is obviously just That's Jesus, man. It's It's, Jesus.
1: It's it's it's, that's the self-giving, the becoming the hands and feet of Jesus. Also, I say becoming the hands and feet of Jesus, and I immediately just see Mister Potato throwing his hands through the sandbox. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
0: yes. So yeah, totally. I love that. well, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna. Do that. I, mean, <laughs> I, I almost I, just compared Mr. Tortilla Head to the Incarnation, Well, I'm not gonna do that because the amount of heresies that are involved there are many. So I, I'm not I, gonna do that.
1: Just so you know, you're not alone. I was also in my head thinking of how many
0: ways. <laughs> Is that be a Christ moment when the it's the body of entering, Christ? He's becoming a vegetable. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Cucumber. Was, uh, oh man, uh, so so funny, but um yeah Yeah,
1: what what what, uh oh i don't know if you had anything i was gonna ask you what your culture like what the cultural thing for you was
0: well yeah so this connects in the case of relationship it's it's also a relational realization but what i wrote down uh here is heartbreak is real Mm -hmm. and yet we've got to love anyway and i do think there's a lot of a pain in our culture and there's a lot of people dealing with trauma from how they were raised and people kind of processing how their parents didn't uh, love them the way they hoped. And sometimes that can become then a root of bitterness. We talked earlier about bitterness. A lot of times what creates that within ourselves is us feeling like we've been hurt by someone who was supposed to love us. Mm. And so we see Lotso, and we don't know how he became this way. We don't know why he's evil, but then we, Woody is at Bonnie's house and he hears this story from Chuckles and we hear how Lotso was beloved and he they had this he had a great relationship with Daisy this little girl and so you actually see oh wait he wasn't always this way he was he was joyful and he had love but then she he get she falls asleep at a rest stop the parents leave the toys on the side of the road and they never come back for the toys and so you've got this abandonment. That is being felt and so then he goes to the house and he looks in through the window and he sees oh my gosh she replaced me and he sees that she has another toy it's the same toy she has another version of lotso and so then something within him in that moment snaps and you see him become very angry he yells at the baby and says she replaced you she replaced all of us which isn't true he only saw himself replaced but he now has a worldview defined by kids are not trustworthy kids will only hurt you in the end so there's no reason to ever connect with an owner again having an owner is a evil thing like so it's basically he's this he has this feeling of oh my gosh giving yourself in love to someone else is is too risky it's too painful and so that's actually he defines it as a bad thing and then he looks down on other people who as naive like he sees woody and these other toys as naive chumps like oh you think you think andy cares about you he's like where's andy now like he mocks them Mm -hmm. like why why would you ever love again and so people yeah i'm thinking of trauma from parents who you felt didn't love you well. And then I'm thinking of breakups where, I mean, it is hard if you have a breakup with someone that you love deeply, then to even like, imagine putting yourself out there again. Cause you're like, dude, that hurt more than anything. Like that hurt. Like that stung so badly. Do I really want to risk that again? And, and yet we've got to take that leap of love. And like you were saying, community is so important. That if we isolate, we'll end up, with nothing but might makes right a will to self and just, okay, well what's best for me. And that is a draining worldview, like that worldview. And you see in Lotso at the end, he starts to see his power slipping and he kind of just loses it. And you see his worldview fully spew out and just saying, no one will love you. He says to the baby, I think, or something along the lines of that, like, he, he's just like, there is no love in this world for any of you is his yeah. like outburst. And it's from, it's from pain, but it's not like, Oh, that's the only response that people can take. If they've been hurt, that's the only option. Like, and this is what we talked about at the beginning with you had this bitterness you were fostering, but you chose to not stay in that place. And you had been hurt by relationally by people. And you said, right you know what, I could let that become a part of my worldview and how I see people and how I yeah. see the world, or I can say, you know what, I'm going to work through this. And that's ironically what happens in Toy Story 1 for Woody. He got replaced by Buzz Lightyear. And then he decided, and he was bitter, and he tried to kill Buzz in Toy Story 1. So, like, Woody's been there. Woody's been mm-hmm. to where Lotso has been. Yet Woody has actually realized that the love of a kid is still worth pursuing and that anyway it's there's a lot good there
1: I, I mean i love i just love everything you've said i i I, <laughs> I i resonate with it i mean i mean like like you know the, the moves that i've gone through in my life i've, I've wrestled with it right because it hurts and it's sad and and i was actually talking with my uh my girlfriend john uh, yesterday uh, i believe it was yesterday about i still have fear I have fear and pain still related to um, saying goodbye to people because I have this, like I have this fear that if I'm not present enough, if I'm not around enough, if I'm not, you know, helpful enough that uh, I'll I'll be forgotten, right? Like, and that's just like part of the heartbreak of, of, you know, I've lived in Poland and I don't even talk with my Polish friends much at all because our lives are so different. It's so hard to find time, like all these things. And so there's that there's this fear that I carry. I was talking with her about it because I carry it we're long distance, I carry it into our relationship. And yeah. and 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 so then back to what you said like it, it's a risk. Like just to love, to be close with someone is a risk and you can get burned. You can't get burned. But it's it's so worth it, right? And the alternative what is certainly true is alternative like becoming like Lotso or or be, becoming I mean you know you said Woody's been there and you know I've been there like become that that jaded bitterness it's definitely not worth it I mean that's just not worth it you know and and to the point about community where these things intersect. like if I wasn't in community when I got bitter you weren't around
0: Mm -hmm. who knows
1: Mm -hmm. I don't know where I would have ended up right like I don't know like if it wasn't for community I was lost right and so it's one of those things where that community aspect, it, it honestly adds this layer of safety and protection, where you can actually kind of venture into those scary spaces, the, the hopeless ones, right? The my heart is broken and I don't know how to get mm-hmm. out of this. And then you've got a community that can surround you and and say, yeah, but we know who you really are, and it's not this, and there's something better for the yeah. future. And that's that's the be- that's again that beauty of the community. And then that's and that that's where I think we get to see a lot of that um the the stepping past heartbreak right to the embrace the yeah. feeling it but then stepping past it and uh, i am a i'm a huge fan and also just i i hope i hope you know no one ever gets stuck in the lotso mentality yeah fortunately mm-hmm. many people do i just hope they don't and i if if you are listening and you feel like you resonated even slightly with Lotso, just please listen to to all of this and, and just know that that's not that's not really yeah. what's out there for you there could be a robust mm-hmm. beautiful community out there for you and, and 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 please look for it and and i hope people surround yeah. you the whole the whole lot haha <laughs> so a <whole> lot so
0: <laughs> well and that's the irony his name is lotso hugging like he was designed to be hugged and then and then he's failed this brokenness so yeah but yeah I, I love that can i tell you a story michael yes i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna Keep the uh, identity as anonymous as possible and and change some details. But I have a student who I've worked with at Gordon who he's not in my dorm, but he's in another dorm. And he has had some really challenging um, experiences this semester involving rejection and feeling like no one wants to be his friend and that no one likes him. And so he had an experience with a girl who rejected him. And it was just this deeply painful thing. And he basically came out of it saying, I don't want to be... He, he, he said, what did he say? Oh, um, God, God will be there for me, but humanity can bite it. That's what he said. Um, he was like, I'm done with humanity. And he's a very blunt, uh, direct person. And I asked him, I said, OK, there's a version of you in 10 years that has completely cut yourself off from community. And I said, I will just do it myself and God. I'm not going to depend on any other person. And then there's a version of you that takes that risk again and knows fully that it is, you are taking a risk of having your heart broken. You're taking a risk of being rejected and that that could lead to more pain, but you're taking a risk that could lead to care and compassion and love in your life. And I asked them which one of those would be more happy. And then, you know what he said, Michael, this is hard. This is sad. And this is lots mm. of, this will lots. So I think is feeling, he said, I'm not thinking about which one is, will be more happy. I'm afraid of which one will be more sad. Like he is like. I that risk comes with the baggage. I am so hurt right now. The pain is so real that I can't see. I don't care if like there's a potential happiness at the end of that, because it's so sad to be to be hurt by another human being. And we see this in the movie where Lotso, I think he says to them, no owner means no heartbreak. So he he is he is that line is showing you at the core of what's going on in his heart is I am afraid of heartbreak. Mm. And that is. We all are that way, right? Like we all live in that anxiety and we see the the toys at the beginning of the movie. This they have a phone and they're calling to try to rig it so that Andy will have to open up the toy chest because he hasn't called. He hasn't opened the toy chest in weeks or years or I don't know. And they they stage this whole thing where they get his cell phone to ring because they're like oh he'll answer his cell phone and it's this just this longing but you can see the fear they have they're like wait is Andy gonna break our heart Andy's our and then he calls him junk so he does he does, he like he messes up and he hurts them by just calling them casually this thing and then like you said there's this beautiful arc and there's change and you can see there's change in Andy yeah. and in this the toys where at the end. He says to Bonnie when he gives them, he says, "These toys mean a lot to me." He's yeah, like, they're not junk. They Which mean a lot I, to think, me. I
1: think, I well, think at least the way I felt it in the movie is when he calls them junk, it really because you watch him look at them. There's yeah. this there's this lingering stare he has, and and I and I and I was thinking, I was like, I think he's deny he's in denial. Oh, mm-hmm. if it's if they're junk, I don't have to feel sad to be
0: moving mm. around,
1: right. And I think, mm-hmm. and I, and I think, um, I think that's the truth about where that fear takes us, is it takes us to a place of denial, right? And I think, I mean, this, this, this person that you had mentioned, like that's sort of what that is. The like, I'm not worried about which one's more happy. I'm worried about which one's more sad. It's, it's a denial of the goodness that is actually available and present to us, right? Like it's a yeah. denial of that. And. Yeah. And it's also a denial of pain because they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. You don't want to feel the pain, so you want to feel numb. But that's not a good place to be. And if you can feel the pain, then you can actually also feel the goodness that might come past it or out of it or, or what have yeah. you. And mind you, I'm saying this many iterations past lots mm-hmm. of heartbreaks. And I have never felt more... In love with the people I don't get to see, and like they are integral in and in in, in in shaping who I am now, and more excited about the many more times I will go through that kind of experience because mm. it's gonna happen, and if I can't embrace it. And love what it what what life has been, and 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 be ready to embrace the heartbreak and see what's on the other side. Then I'm gonna get stuck. Yeah. And then you if you, yeah. and when you get stuck, you, you end up like Watzo. And that's not that's no yet again that's no place to be. It's no place to be. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a really. It's a really tough place to
0: be. So, yeah, sometimes it's the heartbreak of feeling replaced or abandoned, but sometimes it's just the heartbreak of he's going off to college. This is a natural transition. So that's a good point. It's not just abandonment or reject like anything cruel. Sometimes it's a heartbreak that just comes from the natural transitions that life has. And it's still heartbreaking and it still hurts. And then you're like and you question, like, wait, was that worth it? But, yeah, it was. It was. was. Um, Yeah. My my Uh, my. Yeah. My
1: sister said something that was so challenging to me when the fir- when I moved to the US from Poland because I was telling her how much I was just didn't want to leave this life that I loved, right? And she 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 said, I think what it was was she said something along the lines like it won't be what it is. And I I remember wrestling with that. And the reality is that a lot that's that's just true. Like with the things that we grow to love, like these things that we build, um, that we love. I, I think of even just like a, a Levita staff, when you go work a, a summer at Levita and you just have this amazing experience with the staff. The reality is that life is going to just take us places. You, it would actually be sort of like an injustice and, and not good for all of us to just stay, right? Because nothing changes. There's no growth at a certain point. At a certain point, you kind of hit this critical mass. And that's actually why I've grown to see the moves that have happened in my life, the losses, the the changes, as, as a really uh, integral part of how God works, because it challenges yeah. me. It challenges me to see God as greater than I've been seeing him, greater than the comforts I've grown accustomed to, greater than, you know, all of the positive emotion I've associated with God. It also, cha- it's also God's challenge to me to say, you're more than you've grown comfortable with, right? There's more mm-hmm. for you. You can expand, you can grow, you can change. And there's, a, there's an actual really wonderful empowerment that comes from that, both in relationship to God and in how you live. And I, 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 I wish that upon all people. You know, like that's a great thing to
0: experience. Yeah. And well, I, this is part of my spiritual thing. And we made <laughs> this. Uh, this is great. Uh, but yeah, maybe you should get to that part soon. But God is the one who won't move on. God's not going to college. And there'll be times when we doubt him. And when we anxiously are like, wait, will he love me? Does he love me? Like, there's still going to be a lot of that anxiety on our end. But the promises of scripture and the faithfulness he demonstrates in his son show that he's the one who is locked in and won't, won't leave you. And so that actually, I think, is an anchor that can help us through transition mm-hmm. is realizing that. What we had with those people was real, it was beautiful, it was wor- it's worth remembering, it's worth in the moment leaning into that Levita community as deeply as you can even though you know it's going to end in a month. Like it's worth it. Yeah. But then you have a constant father and friend who will help you process that God is the one who whose faithfulness will be there through it all. So, Amen.
1: Amen to yeah. that. I love that. That's and that's and
0: one more thing. One more thing. Yeah. You know how we talked about it it gets childhood. Well, (laughs) I think it also gets teenagehood. Well, because when he calls them junk, (laughs) it's when his mom is like, oh, should I donate these? And he says, no, mom, no one would want them. They're junk. So what he's really doing is he can't admit that what it is, is he's not ready to let go. Yeah. He's not ready to let go of childhood. But what a teenager has to say is, oh, childhood was lame. Like, mm-hmm. oh, those toys are lame. They're junk. But you can tell it's motivated by I'm not ready to let go. I'm not ready yeah. to move to college. But mm-hmm. like, he can't tell his mom. He can't. He's a teenage boy. Um, But the toys don't know that. They hear it and they say he just called us junk. And so that's just an example of how, yeah, like what people say can hurt us deeply. And what sometimes what they're saying is they actually have a different anxiety <laughs> that is causing what they're saying. Yeah. So they don't even mean it really. But it hurts when they say it. So anyway, that's just an example of it. Um,
1: and, and, but to, yeah. to, to that point, it's one of those, it's one of those things where you go, where, you know, that's a great example of why it matters so much to give people in your around the benefit of the doubt. Right. Cause we're all, we all say things that are coming from fear or, you know, uh, anger or despair or bitterness. Right. And, we need we need people to give us a benefit of the doubt because if we don't, then you may, I mean, the toys make these really big decisions out of the fact that Andy called them junk because he didn't know how to deal with his emotions. Right. Yeah. So you could make life altering decisions because of something someone said that they didn't mean. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a that's a dangerous mm-hmm. place to be.
0: Well, and if you go, we talk about this in I think it was our Toy Story 2 or maybe in Toy Story 1 episode, but. If you think of it as a parent dynamic, sometimes we start to treat our parents like junk when we're about to move. And 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 they're the ones who when we were kids, they were playing with us and we were. And and so I think the anxiety that Woody has is an anxiety a lot of parents have or that um, or not necessarily just Woody, but all the toys like, oh, wait, he doesn't think we're worthwhile anymore or she doesn't seem to wanna to engage with us anymore. And so and we say things we don't mean that hurt our parents. So anyway, just Totally. Quick plug to next time you see your family, engage in them <laughs> engage with them in love. Oh. So
1: good, Ford. <laughs> so good. This is so good.
0: All right, let's get to let's get to Jesus. I mean we already have. We definitely already have. As a Christian watching this movie, Michael where does it resonate for you in terms of theological themes, spiritual themes? Where does it hit home as a Christian watching it?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think for me, the place it really hits is, is yet again, this sort of I, the, the aspect of identity. Who am I? How hard it is to define myself apart from my community and God. And in, in a, at least for me, when I watched the film in a weird metaphorical sort of way, it felt like there's a, a way you could see at least parts of the film where community are the toys and that the relationship with God is this relationship they have with Andy, right? And it's really when that relationship, that, that certainty that we talked about, right? You can always know that God loves you. When that certainty is questioned, when it's like, wait, does Andy love us? Then they then there's a crisis of identity both both mm. for the toys and Andy but with the toys with each other because they all have different ways that they're trying to cope and there's conflict that pops up there and and I think that's something that stood out for me because I've had significant crises of faith where I was like God I, I really think you're up to no good right I've never I've mm-hmm. never had a crisis of faith where I thought God you don't exist because I've had experiences like where I'm like I can't deny that there's this crazy. Mm wild being, right? But hmm. I have had crises of faith where I go like, "Oh, you think I'm junk." Right? That resonated, right? Mm. And so it resonated mm. with me the the crazy arc that stems from that, right? Resonated with me that the toys would go out and um make these wild decisions based off of the fact that they think that Andy thinks they're junk, right? I mean, I have done that. I have made some absurdly stupid and bad decisions. Comple- like after conversations with God where I've gone like, look, I think you're up to no good. So I'm just going to go trash my life. Like that that is, that is a very honest conversation I've had with God and,
0: and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very
1: nearly did trash my life. And, and God was absurdly good to, to help me not do that. Um, yeah, being, though, that resonated with me. It resonated with me that how we perceive of God isn't always accurate, but it definitely can affect us. And then how we perceive How we cope with that perception or, you know, with lots of where it's like never loved me. Right. That that actually really shapes how we then relate to each other. Right.
0: So you're saying the way we view God then will impact how we treat each other and vice versa. Like the way that we see each other is going to be a part of our relationship to God as well. A hundred
1: percent. And I loved Woody. I loved the character. I loved Woody's character in this movie. Because because Woody is unwilling to to like Woody is unwilling to believe that Andy doesn't love them. He's also unwilling to let go of his community. And there's there's so much tension. there. And I say that because I know people, everyone that's watched the film is like, wait, he did leave his community. But he when it when it mattered, like when he realized his community was in trouble. Yeah. He's like, I don't care about this thing that's been primary to me. I'm going to go take care of my friends. And so there's this – you watch You watch Woody deal with this tension. I love Andy. I think Andy loves me and us. My friends don't believe that, so I'm going to stick with Andy, even though that's hard, right? But then when his friends are truly in trouble, he goes, I can't – this is about – this is being selfish. I have to go back and – Take care of them. And I love that. I love the I love Woody in this story because I think Woody embodies this sort of Christ likeness. Right. And I think I think Woody also embodies like a tension that a lot of Christians face. Right. Where we we actually kind of lean towards I'm going to praise God at all costs, even if it costs me the love the christ-like love that i'm meant to share with other people and woody kind of leans that direction for a second and then he goes no 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 no, like i have to take care of my friends and i just loved watching that tension uh, unravel and play out
0: and so um that's beautiful dude that's hitting me with a lot that's convicting me what you're saying because well here's the one thing it's interesting the tension between woody and buzz and that scene where they first get to the daycare and woody says come on buzz like, you're coming with me, because he he knows that Buzz knows yeah. that Andy loves him. Yes. And he's right. Buzz does. But Buzz stays because of the togetherness piece, which we talked about. Yeah. So in that moment, a lot of them have been like, you know what? Andy doesn't love us. Yes. But then it comes to the conflict between Woody and Buzz, which is such good. I'm talking about a kai because that's the first movie, right? Like, that's so good. And then Buzz says, no, I'm sticking with the gang, because he's a loyal person. And yes. what this hit me as you were talking, Michael, is this is how we respond. That This is about how do we respond to the lost sheep? How do we respond to the lost sheep? And Woody, this is heartbreaking because I see myself and Woody in that scene. And this is this is actively convicting me on air. I have friends who are leaving the church left and right. I mean, there's there's deep pain, deep, real trauma that people have either experienced from church or they've thought that they've tried to like test god's goodness and seen him lacking and they've been hurt by god all these different things and they leave and what does woody do when buzz says no i'm so woody takes his hat and he like says well like so long then he takes his hat and he gestures at them angrily like okay if you're gonna leave the one who loves you, the one who's given you purpose, meaning for like your life, who def- the one who defines you, well, then screw you. And he just gives him the hat. And, and then, like you said, he realizes, wait a second, I need to go after the lost sheep. And this is convicting me, Michael, because a lot of my friends who are leaving the church, I am hurt. I am hurt. Because I'm like, no, there's a father who loves you. And like, you can't you can't turn away from that. But then when they just say, you know what? No, like I'm I'm going to leave. Then I think my impulse has been to just tip my hat. And part of that is like, well, I don't want to have to try to be forceful on them for this thing that's been hurtful. I don't want to, like, push them or whatever. So it's part of it is like this false sense of like, oh, maybe I'm being considerate. But really. It's not being considered at all to say, because then I don't connect with them as well. I don't talk with them as much because we don't share that underlying peace anymore. But I'm just saying like, toodaloo to you. It's like, no, that, that's your friend. You love them. And they used to know the sweetness of God's love. Mm-hmm. And yet they've been hurt and they left and they're doubting that. And you got to. And then we have people like Buzz who maybe they still do know that God loves them, but they're so committed. Like these people are hurting. We're, I had to stick with them. So they leave the church, not because they're doubting God's love, but because they want to help the lost sheep and stay with them. But it's like, we need to have that come to Jesus moment where it's like, like you said, Oh, actually Woody needs to go back. He needs to go and try to rescue his friends. Um, Yeah. Anyway, so that's convicting to me, dude. <laughs> well,
1: I, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you, Porter. Uh, I mean, and you know this part of my story where for me it's sort of been the inverse, where it's been like I have a hard time loving on the people that are in the church, right? Like the the church feels like the butterfly room to me a lot of times, mm. right? Because mm. it's just it's it's mm-hmm, nice, mm-hmm. it's good, it's whatever, and you don't have to worry about the other room. But the same thing, it's convicting to me in the same way, where it's like you you have to. There's no easy way out. Like you, it's like whatever the lost sheep is, right? From wherever you're standing, like you're called to be engaged there, you know. And and then that's that 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 last scene where you see Andy. I mean, I think that's where Andy really figures out too when he we talked about this a little bit earlier, where he like holds Woody back before he gives it to the little girl, and then he, and then he releases. He goes, ah, actually, this is for you, right? The engagement there. That's mm-hmm. the call. I think that's the call. Like, let's mm-hmm. be engaged with each other. Let's sit in that tension. Let's mm-hmm. let's be challenged by each other, right? Let's be challenged by each other. Let's go to great lengths for each other, no matter mm-hmm. what. Let's risk how much it could hurt. Let's save Lotso and then have him abandon us. And let's do that because we know And that- if
0: we are going to face death, like, literally, we might face death. Like the pit of death. This movie goes there, which I love. Pixar was like, yeah, let's face the existential fear of death with these toys. And then if we do, we're going to do it holding hands united. And that's I mean, that's that's a terrifying scene. And yet and the music is so intense and it's so like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. And that you see them hold hands and there's this this beauty in that solidarity. So, yeah, like we got to be willing to go to the. The furnace, people. Um. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. I mean, that's that's biblical there. It's it's so. (laughs) Because that's where God is. He's in the furnace with us. God. Yeah.
1: It's it's it's. I mean, it's that. It's it's a it's a it's so striking. I mean, it just is so striking. It's it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's it's amazing. And you know what? What I love about it is it's also that that idea is just so uncomfortable. And we, to, back to the culture idea, we are, we are just nestled in comfort, right? This is how nestled in comfort we are. We're so nestled in comfort that we proactively dismiss and decide to not think about what our comfort costs other people, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a podcast I just recently listened to about batteries. And how and how cobalt is important for most batteries, like not most, almost all batteries. Cobalt is almost entirely mined by slaves. So everything Mm. that we use to be comfortable, to like talk about injustices in the world, we're, we're using slave made tools. Right. That's a discomfort that we don't like to sit with because it's so deeply unsettling so we'd rather look the other way, right? And mm-hmm. that that's what the western c- comfort culture is, right? Mm. And that's so challenging because we're so steeped yes. in comfort that we don't even see the realities of what's yeah. going on. But it's it's to be uncomfortable, it's to be willing to be in that furnace with yes. the other, that is really yeah. the call. And saying,
0: "No, I'm going I will go into the caterpillar room." Yeah. I'm not going to go to the butterfly room. And that yeah, that that's good. And I I just want to say to you, Michael, let's let's agree on this, that I I won't give up on the people who are who have left the institution or who have like who seem to like have just completely turned from God. But I don't don't you give up on the people in the institution? You know what I'm saying?
1: And I have I have just an amazing testimony about that. I am plugged into a church that is so life giving it is
0: just let's go, michael let's go so life-giving.
1: i i yeah. and and i'm not the only one that feels this way at this church where it's like i would yeah i'm, I'm i don't i want to move i'm gonna have to move again and i don't want to because this place mm-hmm. is amazing and it's just been people mm-hmm. that have cultivated such a beautiful place so point being i'm with you and i'm in for this challenge because i'm sure there's going to be more times where i'm hurt by church advice. and i know and I, have, like
0: the- I have friends listening who are hurt by church And I just want to say to you, take that risk and take, yeah, take that risk. I know that the hurt is real. I know that the hurt is heartbreaking and that you might think, I don't care about how happy I could be. I am afraid of how sad and broken I could be if I take that risk to go to church again and find a community that actually loves the way they're supposed to. But I just, I just urge you in the name of Jesus to take that risk Uh, because there are life giving churches it's hard to believe it when you've been burned badly, but it does, it does exist. It does exist, so.
1: And there's and they're well worth it. Yes, they're well worth it. And Sorry, I'm going.
0: To... That connects to my theological point, Michael. So here we're gonna go. Okay, sweet. Final, our last thing here.
1: Can I'm, I'm you just outside. go
0: outside? Are you outside?
1: I'm outside because Dylan's brother wants to go to bed, and I'm too loud.
0: That's amazing. Okay, well, let, we're gonna finish with Michael outside. That's <laughs> here's a man willing to discomfort, to reach into the uh, discomfort to help a friend. Okay, so here's here's my point. Here's my theological point. Okay, it's simple yes. here. I yes. just said some. You know what's really worth the leap? It's not because the church the church will let you down. Jesus is worth the leap, Michael. A yeah. Jesus is worth the leap, and so. Here's this thing where they're like, I don't know if Andy could love us. I don't know if another kid could love us. And then what they're met with this cheap imitation where Lotso says, every year new kids come through. You'll have it forever. It's it's always there. But then what does the imitation do? It batters them, it hits them. Mm. It's it's not the real thing. It's not love what they're getting in that daycare. It's abuse. And yeah. and so these things we turn to and we take the we say, I am too afraid to risk belonging to god because that is terrifying because what if he labels this as junk michael what if he says you're not good what if he says screw you yeah it's too scary to take that risk and say you know what i am going to commit myself to god so then we say okay well i gotta cope with the pain somehow and then we choose things that end up beating on us Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i like i i mean i've done that i do that like even as a christ follower there are days when i'm like you know what God pursuing you today seems more difficult. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to choose to not. Yeah, <laughs> like I am going to choose myself and selfishness. And then I get and then I feel beat up at the end of the day. And like, oh, why do I feel so exhausted and depressed? Oh, I wonder why, because I didn't commit to the owner who loves me, who actually can give me his goodness. And I've tasted of that goodness. And yet I still doubt that it'll be there again mm. like i've i've tasted his redemption in my life and then yet the next time i need it i'm like oh maybe he won't be good enough so anyway that's i'm I, the thing that comes to mind is like lotso and his his bitterness and his anxiety he's and anger he's just turned away from willing to take a leap that someone might love him again yeah and it's cuz of his woundedness and so this just brought me to Matthew 9 mm. where we have this woman who it says a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched his, the edge of Jesus's cloak. And she said to herself, if only I touch his cloak, mm. I will be healed. Mm. Dude, the testimony of that woman, right? Like 12 years. She could have, her worldview could be so defined by anger and bitterness and being and having shut off all community and being just locked away in a room where she like is suffering and like oh i'll just suffer by myself and yet here's a woman who believes in the promise of the messiah who mm. believes that god is a healer and then she sees this man who has who is the messiah himself and says if i touch his cloak there'll be healing and that's just the 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 leap that Woody is willing, like, oh, I know that Andy loves me, and I'm gonna stay, and and the the toys need to be like, oh, um, mate, kids can love me, but Jesus, Jesus, like we said earlier, he's not gonna go away to college. Like, Jesus's healing is worth the leap, and there mm. will be heartbreak on that journey. There will be heartbreak if you take that leap. I'm just, I'm I'm being honest with you. Yeah. It's going to hurt. Part of the game. It's part of the gate. It's part of the gate. Does game. it hurt, Michael? Has it hurt? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Boy, <Yeah>. has it has <laughs> Have you experienced heartbreak because of your commitment to following Jesus? Oh, my
1: gosh. How many times? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, I can. Uh, it, the list is endless. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, but, Michael, and, is it worth it?
1: It's so worth it. The, the 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 list might be endless, but the joy is overwhelmingly abundant. It's overwhelmingly abundant. And to to anybody that might be listening that's also particularly felt hurt from Christians and from like Christian communities and from people that did things that were incredibly horrible in the name of God, like that's not Jesus. And the story of Jesus, if the Pharisees bringing the woman caught in adultery and how Jesus handles that comes to mind. Like there's nothing but compassion for this woman that's been that's been horribly abused um i mean if the pharisees in that story were doing were were actually trying to be relatively lawful not just but lawful like they're playing by those they were they would have had brought the man that she was caught in adultery with and they didn't so they're just abusing this woman for no reason right those are the religious folks that did that right that's the religious folks that are not following jesus and how jesus handles that situation is a great indicator of how of of Christ's goodness. Like that's not Jesus. The heart of Jesus is compassion and ever present. It is never it is never uh it is never condemning and, and then it reinforced by lack of presence. It's always there. It's always there. And that's that's what you're saying. Like that's a constant. That's something we can lean into. It doesn't mean heartbreak doesn't happen, but it does mean that Jesus is always good
0: and you know that is so beautiful, Michael. Thank you for that. And you know what is interesting about the Toy Story universe is that we see them moving around and they're like alive. These toys are alive, and yet when they feel the most alive is when Andy's playing with them, and when Andy is making their story, writing their story, and and giving life into them, that's when they feel the most alive. And there are, are people listening to this who maybe have felt used by God and have experienced his love and then have just been so hurt and so jaded that you're like, you know what? No, I'm not going to take that risk again. I'm going to walk away. And I just want to encourage you that he wants to breathe life into you again. And there are, there are walls of hurt and trauma, Michael, that take years. This isn't just like, oh, we'll have one amazing moment of, oh, he played with me again. Everything's good again. It's it is a journey. And you know what? Sometimes we might never actually experience that. Well, no, it's not. Sometimes we won't experience the fullness of what it means yeah. to be enlivened by God until the world to come. We're mm-hmm. not going to feel that here. Mm-hmm. And yet I, I can't wait for that, Michael, when it, he is in me and through me fully and the weight of sin is gone and we are being like played with, by, like enlivened and loved. By the one who made us and who declares us to not be junk, but mm. declares us as they mean a lot to me. I mean, that Amen. when he says they mean a lot to me, ah, uh, that's just like when she, God would look at us and say, Well done, mm-hmm. good and faithful servant. And I long for that day, Michael. Mm. I long for it.
1: I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Oh,
0: man. all right. I'm gonna go on a rant here, Michael. Okay. I do already it. just did. I'm gonna go on another one. Do it. I'm fired up. This is my favorite movie of all time, so I'm allowed to do this. Yes, okay. yes. So Jesus is the true owner who is never going to leave you. He is never going to move on or grow out of you. He, he is there. OK, and Jesus is the claw that is going to reach in to your death. He literally yes. reaches in to the furnace, the death and rescues you. OK, so Christ is the claw. And then here's what Andy says about Woody at the end. He says, Woody is special. Woody will always be there for you. And so Christ is the true Woody because Woody is this, this embodiment, this demonstration of what it means to be loyal. I mean, that's what he, he has been loyal. And Andy is saying, this guy isn't going to leave you. And I'm saying to you right now, Christ is not going to leave you. All right. Amen.
1: That, hey, There's my rant. Michael. Amazing. <laughs> I'm so about it. That it was so good. I, I I love this movie. I love you, Porter. I love everything about this moment.
0: (laughs) Bro, I I love you, too. And I love... This movie is fire. It is fire. And I didn't even know that I was going to be able to see all these Christ connections in it. And now I can't stop. I see them everywhere. They're everywhere. Everywhere. uh, All right, Michael. It feels like we should end now, but we have one more section. Let's do it. Okay. I'm going to tell you... Actually, no. You can tell... I mean, what do we want to do? I... Do we want to say it at the same time? Who we think the other person is?
1: We can. I'm down. Let's do it. Let's fun. count
0: down and just say it. All right. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yes. Three, two, one. You're Buzz. Weedy. Yeah. You're Buzz. <laughs> I think you're Woody. Woody. <laughs> also, I love this because
1: I think that we're. I think this is so fitting for us, and in more ways than just Toy Story Three. Like in yeah. in. Yes. So, so I'm just. It's I love so good.
0: This. It's so yes. good. And I knew you were going to say that. And and, yes. Okay. so how am I Woody? I've been this is three for three. I've been Woody. I was Woody in Toy Story one. I was Woody in Toy Story two from my guests. So this is the third guest who has told me I am Woody.
1: Well, okay. I I I I thought about all the characters. I, I knew I know that you've been Woody and I knew that like. I watched this and I was like, I know Porter's going to be Woody. It's just, it's, but I tried. I just want you to know, I tried to think of other things. <laughs> and you're, you're Woody because of, I, for me, it's, it was, it really ended up being about that. The, the for, for how long I've known you, every bit of you is, you love God. Full stop. You love God. Like you
0: love God. Like, and, I receive that blessing because sometimes I feel like I don't, but I receive it. Thank you for no, saying that.
1: You love God. You also consistently choose to be present to people. Like constantly. I mean just – okay. For anyone that doesn't know much about Porter, he's literally in a dorm. He's literally living in a dorm with a bunch <laughs> of college students. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Oh, yeah. And he spent all of his college years – when he was in college – being present to people. He it's written all over who he is. And so that dual aspect that that's what we see in Woody so heavily, right? This this I love Andy. I love my friends. Like that and just written to the core of him, right? To the point where he looks yeah. at the bottom of his foot and he's like wrestles with the fact that he's Andy's and wrestles with the fact that he knows he's supposed to be with these toys, right? Like yeah. that dual tension and just choosing to sit in it right totally you i see that written all over you
0: i realized i never got to share so this is my favorite rd moment i didn't share the end of that story of the kid who said screw humanity right yeah so i talked with him for about an hour and i was kind of debating with him like he's like the 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 topic of the debate was humanity sucks and i was trying to make the argument that humanity mostly sucks <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. that was the debate right yeah yeah and i was with him and i was trying to help him see that through redemption there are people on this campus at gordon who actually would be able to love him well because they have christ within them mm. and i started naming people in his life who i know are people on this campus who love him mm. and i asked them oh Does this person like is what about this person? What about this person? And then when he realized that there was two people I was able to name that he was able to analyze, yes, this person likes me or this person is kind or this person is loving. He um, he at the end of it, he said, you know what? I asked him, so do you think it's credible that there might actually be people here who do care about you and that are worth getting to know? And he said, it sounds credible. Like he was just like, this sounds feasible. Like that, and I was like, yeah, because that's like him voting on the debate. So like, yeah, I guess maybe humanity only mostly or like like yeah. that was that was what it was. And so anyway, that's just an example of, yeah, I love the, op, the gift to be with college students. And that was the, I mean, that was my most exciting moment of the semester was when I asked at the end, I said, so the next time your RA asks you to hang out, will you hang out with him? And he said, yeah. I will. Mm,
1: what and a I victory. was like, let's go. Let's go. 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 Let's freaking go. So, I, you know, y'all listening, you don't understand how much joy it is to just get to hang with Porter. It's just a joy.
0: We got to do this more often, bro. But, um, You, you drove down that minivan to Texas. No. Um, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> okay. Uh, but here's why you're Buzz, mm. Michael. Buzz is the life of the party in this movie like he brings so much of the comedic energy okay so spanish buzz oh and you that spanish buzz boy you that spanish buzz you got the way with the ladies i'm just gonna say jonah saltzman's amazing they're dating mike she will agree michael's got that spanish buzz level okay um but also but also he has there's different parts of of buzz right like there's his he encounters his old self in this movie where he gets switched on and he's his old self. And we talked about this. I've seen in you, there's been periods of your life where you wrestle with who is Michael? Who am I? And there's this temptation to have this because of different things that you've encountered to go back to the old self, a more isolated self. You're dealing with different frustrations or angers. And yet you've come, you've returned to this understanding of who you are and who you are under God. And like you said, I hope we continue to challenge each other throughout it, but that's, that's what we see in buzz. We see these different versions of buzz, but at the end of the day, he is someone who loves his community, who is loyal, who um, is hilarious (laughs) and uh, who has, has dealt with his past and will, and it will continue to be something he has to, think about and work through but there's a there's a um a confidence in who buzz is like buzz knows that he is there like we said there's no hesitation in his mind that he's going to be there for his people and for you michael there's just this part of you that there's no hesitation that loving people is who michael's going to be compassion justice these are things that matter to michael mitts and you're not going to let your old self keep you from being a person who lives into that. So anyway, that, that is how I see you as Buzz. Um.
1: Very, very kind. I, I'm, I'm grateful to be perceived as such. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, like you said about Woody, like the part of Woody where he's like clings to sort of the God figure and almost at the cost of, community. I actually identify with the buzz aspect of, like, sometimes it's really hard for me to cling to God because of what I see with communities, you know, which is why I just love that we would claim Buzz and Woody over each other, because they, that's what makes that the dynamic duo that it is, is that they, they decided, right, in the past to be like, we're actually here for each other, not in opposition to each other. And the strength and the beauty and the flourishing that comes from that—it's incredible. It's incredible, and that's 100% how I feel about being in a in a close relationship with you, man. And it's a gift, and I'm I'm just giddy about it.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, we, I, I thought it would be a, a cute moment if we said Woody and Buzz at the same time because I knew <laughs> that's what it was going to be. I echo everything you said and more, Michael, and this conversation is the exact reason i wanted to have this podcast this is exactly the integration of friendship film and god that i had in mind when i launched this so thank you so much for this conversation this is deeply life-giving uh this conversation only more solidifies this as the best film of all time it just gets you so, thank you, Michael, for being on this conversation with me. I loved every moment of it.
1: Me too. Thank you so much for having me. What a blast, Porter. A blast.
0: Ta da! Episode complete. Thank you for bearing with us as we explore that wonderful movie. I really do encourage you to watch it now if you have not seen it in a long time, because it is an absolute treasure of a movie. Now, I some of you may have heard they just announced a Toy Story 5 at Pixar, which I'm very nervous about and very concerned about because I think this is a perfect ending to a trilogy, Toy Story 3. But, of course, they made a fourth one, and now they're making a fifth one. So we will cover that at some point about my feelings on Toy Story 5 as we lead up to it because it is a big one that uh, Pixar has announced but before that, they're going to have Inside Out 2 on the horizon as well. So some Pixar sequels on the horizon, some of which have gone very well. Obviously, Toy Story 2 and 3 are excellent, but some of their sequels historically haven't been as good. So we'll see what happens with those. But thanks so much for listening. I have I'm not going to add any more uh, spiritual or theological thought to the end of this episode there's been a lot that you guys have been able to listen to but yeah i just encourage you to watch this movie again and like michael and i said if you're listening to this and you're considering giving jesus a shot i challenge you to go for it one more thing you can find the bonus episode between me and my mom on the power of scrapbooking in the movie up on patreon so if you subscribe to patreon.com for porter sprig podcast maker you can access that episode as well as some of the other bonus episodes i've made all right thanks so much everybody take care